Okay, guys, here we are again talking about coaching. I'm Nikki, and as always, I'm here with Yannick and Sivash. Hello. Hey, guys. What's up? Cool. Great to have you here. So today we've got a really interesting question. It came for us from Stefano Di Lolo from oh, Facebook. Oh, yeah. A I fan. That, right? Hi, Stefano. Big fan of the podcast. Big fan of Stefano. Still looking forward to seeing you at some point. Sweet. So, guys, Stefano's question today is, what are the do's and don'ts of a consultation? And let me give you a little bit more context. He said, my prospect leaves the consultation excited, but after a few weeks, they decide they're not ready. What should I do differently? It's a great question. Yeah. And also keep in mind, this is from a little while ago, uh, at least a year, year and a half. So Stefano, if you found answers to that, I'm super curious for you to share that. Um, but I, I hear that quite a lot. I mean, the, I think the question do's and don'ts of a consultation is, is brilliant. I know Sivas has a lot to say about that because, you know, he, he runs a school um, partly around that topic. Um, and just the last episode that we've done was around uh, how to prepare. And I think the consultation space is something that we can prepare a lot more for if we wanted to. The same questions arise in terms of, is it going to be useful? Are we going to go with the flow or can we prepare for a consultation? And I think that's the first question to ask. Am I the kind of coach or person that just kind of meets someone and just gets really curious and being really present and just, you know, tune in and see where this is going? Um, but there are a lot of questions. There's a lot of methodologies, a lot of processes that can guide someone through a consultation in a very effective way. So while I'm the kind of person that I like to tune in, right, I, I like to just meet you and experience you like who is this person that's showing up and if they're talking about the weather i'll go with that right because there's a lot actually that re people reveal about themselves in the way that they are talking about the weather right i hear things around their relationship with uncertainty or with their relationship with planning or when things go differently their relationship with control you know <laughs> there's so much um somebody just starts asking me questions first i'll go with that you know that tells me something about them you know, when I just go with wherever, however they are, then I get to know them to a really deep level. And, you know, I, at some point, I mean, that's it, right? I, I think I really like that. And I like that approach. It feels very natural. And, you know, people feel really seen when you tune in like that. And every client is a little different. So there's no way how I can make a system out of that. Um, but as far as the system goes, something that always happens in my, in my consultation, so almost always, is I get curious about where they want to go, who they want to be, right? I get curious about the future, as many coaches do. Um, that doesn't have to be a smart goal. I don't need them to have a super clear vision of where they want to be in five years, 10 years, 20 years, six months, whatever. You know, I get curious about it because if there is something, I would want to hear it. Whether that's going to be cemented as our coaching goal, it doesn't matter, right? But if somebody has a very clear focus point, then we can make very quick progress towards that. Uh, if somebody doesn't know that, we can then agree that we're just going to go with the flow and I trust the process. If they trust the process too, let's, let's start having a conversation, right? So I'm, but I always get curious. Uh, I don't demand it, but I get curious. I also get curious what kind of strength and resources they're bringing. I get curious about hearing their story, right? So at some point uh, I would ask them um, around, uh, well, tell me a bit of your story. I heard a fantastic question around that from a colleague of mine, Gary Kotas, um, who asks, where in your story do we need to begin to understand the person that you are today? That's good. 
And because they, he talks, his podcast is called The Unlock Moment. Uh, so he jumps back to a point in time that really kind of defined that person where something opened up and they often remember it quite clearly, he finds. So what a cool question. Mm. Yeah, what I also always do um, uh, quite early, it doesn't have to be very at the beginning. As I say, I just tune into where that person is and who that person is. But like usually in the first between one minute and, you know, 20 minutes, at some point I would say, hey, just to put a frame around what this is, um, you know, this is a consultation, we're exploring working together. Uh, my agenda is having an experience of what it's like to be in conversation, right? Uh, I want to be able to ask as many questions as I need to figure out whether I'm the right person to work with. And I want you to have a space to ask as many questions as you need to figure out whether you want more of these kind of conversations, you know, and that's really what this is. You know, I get curious about your story and I get curious about where you want to go. Um, but that's really what I want to do today. You know, is there anything you would want to add to that? So then we're co-creating the space, just very loosely put a frame around it. We can do a lot more contracting later, but that's something that would always happen in the beginning, just so people have an idea of what this is and how it works, right? But very loosely. Um, and then we just tune in. Uh, so that's kind of the my, my dues for a consultation. Uh, and definitely hold some space at the end to do some of the closing, some of the um, logistics, you know, uh, I'll reserve at least 15, 20 minutes uh, to be like, okay, so how could this work if, if they wanted to go ahead? You know, if they want more of these conversations, how would that look like? How much would it cost? So my consultations are quite long, right? I block two hours still. Uh, I might change that going forward as my calendar shrinks and shrinks with, you know, a little toddler. Life, life becomes more busy and time becomes more scarce. Um, but regardless of whether it's a shorter or a longer conversation, uh, I, would, I would probably want to have these kind of elements in there. And now it feels right to hand over to Sivash because I know you've looked at this and studied this and experimented and been teaching about consultations, do's and don'ts. So uh, I'm super curious to learn something from you today. <laughs> yeah. Well, before, before I dive in, I would like to come back to some of the things you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, and I think this might be useful for people listening, is how much of your time, um, how much of your time are you spending coaching? Because I, I got part of what I got from what you're saying is like you're looking at you're asking a lot of questions to really understand who the person is, see if you, and through that you understand if you can help them, right? And if you're a good fit, and I think those are two important things, right? Can I help this person? And you know, is this is this a good fit? But I'm just curious: is that like how much of that session are you are you coaching? Oh yeah, it's like ninety percent coaching, I would say. So I, thanks for asking because I, I think it's not quite clear. It's clear in my head, obviously, but maybe not in how I presented it. Because as I'm tuning in, as I'm hearing the story, as I'm asking about where they're going, um, there's there's already a lot of stuff happening, right? Just by me being curious, by them being you know open and you know talking things out loud that maybe before they've only thought about, um, you know. So we're already starting something here. That's why I like that the consultations are, are longer, right? That's why I'm hesitant to shorten them because I find that when we have that time, um, it's, it doesn't feel rushed. We're already in something, already starting a journey. They're already building a relationship and they're already having some insights and moving forward just by me being curious and hearing their story and you know, inviting them to clarify that vision or getting curious about how, 
how exactly that would look like, feel like. Try to make this experience of them in the future one that's alive, you know, one that they're that's already getting the neurons firing in the brain. Because if you create that kind of experience of someone being this person that they want to be or doing the things that they want to do, it's an experience that's alive and the brain cannot really differentiate between an imagined scenario in the future and one that's happening right now. So then with that experience, if you then tell them about logistics and fees and prices and all of that, that sort of thing, they listen to it in relation to that experience that they've just had, the potential of them in the future, you know, and that makes it much easier for them to say yes to, even if the fee is sounded high in the beginning, if you share your website on your prices, uh, your prices on your website. Right? I, I don't because I, I know that listening to the fee in relation to that experience that you've just had where you can smell the potential, you know, that's a very powerful thing. So I would, I would always try to create a lift experience of where this person is heading. You know, and for, for that, I mean, that's a, there's a lot of coaching skills involved in that. So there's, yeah, to, to your question, it's, it would be like 80, 90% coaching at least. Yeah, thank you for clarifying that. I think I think that's a really important point because um, I remember at the beginning of my coaching journey, I would do that. I would ask questions and explore if I can help this person. But sometimes I would spend two hours just exploring and there was not much coaching. And, and I see that often when coaches are struggling in this area, they're not actually coaching much, right? And we invest time and, you know, we, we learn how to coach usually that's the thing that we're good at and i think that's really important like there's not one way right that's like you can you can have like a script that you go through and it's worked for some people i think in general i think what's much more effective for coaches is to actually coach and to give people an actual experience so for me when it comes to the don'ts it's like don't just talk about coaching i know that's what we're doing here right <laughs> and, and sometimes that can be useful is to give people something to read maybe before the session or to watch something before the session, but inside the session, the number one do for me is be actually coaching at least 80% of the session, because that's where really the impacts happens. One of the, the things is I think that uh, when, when the client experiences something like a movement, like a shift within the session, and you know, we, there's something created there, there's a possibility created. That, that's really what we want. And what I've also noticed is and again, by the way, like some of the things that I will share is for me, they're not rules. They're like more tools. We, we say in, a, in, a, in my work, I always share this. It's like these are tools, not rules. You can break them, right? Um, but in general, for me, a don't is don't, don't talk about your prices in the first session. And some people do it really well. I think as you might do it, I think what I've seen is coaches that are really good at coaching, sometimes like they give a two-hour experience they can get away with that because they're really good at it. But I think for a lot of the coaches, that, especially coaches that are just qualified, my invitation would be two sessions minimum. And what I've seen is coaches that struggle with consultations and they're struggling to enroll. They go from one to two sessions. All of a sudden, the enrollment improves significantly. Um, and there's a few reasons for that. I think one of them is also if you actually coach someone within a session, they experience a shift within a session. To give them a bit of homework or even if you just tell them like okay reflect on what we've talked about reflect on the coaching there's a shift that happens outside of the session 
Mm-hmm. They come back and there's more happened. Yeah, come give, back them, give, give them a bit of time to let things percolate because a, a lot of the results, they actually, all the insights happen between sessions. Um, how yeah. would you, how would you, uh, because there's a risk that once you offer a second session for free, um, or for, for free and without payment, right? Uh, that they, they haven't talked about prices yet. Um, it's, it can be easy for that to become a third one or a fourth one. How do you, how do you manage the expectation? Because I could imagine the client feeling a bit like, hmm, well, we haven't talked about anything. We just like settled for another session. Like, uh, okay, cool. <laughs> uh, how, do you, how do you manage that? How do you navigate that? Yeah, good question. I think sometimes I will say that at the end of the first session, like, um, so my, my question usually at the end of the first session is, is, would you like to speak again? Would you like to have another coaching conversation? If I say yes, and I say, okay, um, let, let's spend another 90 minutes together. We'll, we'll spend maybe another 45 minutes coaching. In the next 45 minutes, we can talk about how we can continue together, if that's something you right. want to explore. Clear expectations set. Yeah, and then I remind them that at the beginning of the second call, I want to create a bit of space for you to for some coaching. So let me let me explore what's coming up for you. Or is there something that you want to bring to today's session? And then around 30, 45 minutes, I want to slow down again and check in with them. Like, you know, how are you feeling? What are, what are your biggest takeaways? Mm-hmm. And then I come back to a question. So, and I, and, I, and I think this is really useful just to come to slow down and just seek permission again. Would you like to explore how we can work together? Sometimes they might be like, you know what? Actually, I'm good. I'm complete. And it doesn't happen often, but usually even if someone's not sure, they are curious about, well, tell me, how does it look like? But it can happen that someone just says, actually, I'm good for now. So then you don't need to even need to spend time going there yeah so then that brings up a another important question right if somebody seems good or they seem complete or they're not asking you how would this work i know there's different philosophies around well do you ask them would you like to know how this could work shall we talk about logistics you know do you want to do this and some coaches say uh um just wait if they if they say i'm good or if, if they don't ask you just hang up the phone Uh, how do you stand how do you stand with that well I, for, look for me i think it's very much like dating right it's like instead of just saying well like hey let, let's i love you like i really like you <laughs> i've had a great time what about we talk you know let's talk about marriage what <laughs> <laughs> a person might just sit there and think like oh my god what, what's happening? Would, I, would you like to enter a six-day relationship with me <laughs> Yeah, but I think it's, we'll review halfway through take stock. You know, <laughs> um, but I think it's it's a bit like that, right? Like, I, I look, I've never been no judgment, but I've never been into one night stands and stuff. And and for me, it feels like that. Like when coaches go a bit too fast, it's like it's like you're going too fast, right? Like it's like this relationship is just forming. Um, but look, I think it's it's checking in. Checking in is, I think, it's really useful, and. It, it's, I think it creates more, and, and I got that feedback often from clients, right? Like that they feel they're in kind of control of the conversation, right? And, and it makes it easier to be honest. Like, so it's almost that a lot of salespeople, they're very pushy and they bring that energy to the conversations. Like, and, and I've been there because I was, I was working in a sales position, right? And I was probably the worst salesperson. I almost got fired. And, and uh, I remember like 
being in a sales conversation is like, okay, great. I can help you. Here's how I can help you. Here are the three packages. But you're just kind of like vomiting all over people, right? And I think it, I think it's not helpful. I think it's just slowing down. It's, and it shifts its energy. So you're kind of leading people with questions, but you're giving them space, right? I've had times where people say after the first session, you know what, this was helpful, but I'm, I'm good for now. I might come back to you in a few weeks, in a few months, rather than saying like, okay, let's have another conversation, right? Let's have another call. Or, okay, shall we talk about how we can work together? Yeah. I think that people generally like to say yes, or they, they don't like saying no in that moment. But if you just create the space, they're kind of confirming to go to the next step. Yeah. And let me jump in there because I think this is a really important one and one that worked really, really well for me. Um, when somebody says, let me think about it, uh, I, I really, I think it's important, right? I often say now, I, I don't, I want you to think about this, right? I, I don't really want someone to make a decision right now. I say super psyched, you know, and then stuff comes in the way and then they might need to roll back on it. I don't think that's very good. So I, I tend to say, absolutely, go away, think about this. Here are a couple of things that usually people think about. Um, and I put them up there. I think we have a different episode on that. Um, I ask people to put something in the calendar so we're both clear when we're going to reconnect on this. And I'm really unattached to whether that's a day or a month or a year, right? I want them to decide and take responsibility for when do they want to reconnect on this. Um, but I do ask people to put something in the calendar because I often say, look, I, I decided at some point I'm, I'm not going to run after people. Uh, I, this is your responsibility. This is your life. This is your work. This is your change, right? Um, let's put something in. So we both have a date in the calendar upon which we either make a decision or we can postpone it. Right, but we have something in there where that we both commit to coming back together and see where you're at, and that seems to make a big difference for people who give you a polite no, and but instead of no, they say let me think about it, uh, and it really people really told that several went out of their way to just say, well, that was actually really powerful because you're allowing me to make decisions here. Uh, it didn't feel pushy at all, but also you set some boundaries. You know, so that's been really, really helpful to me to ask them for just a 20-minute reconnect after my first two-hour session. Um, you can break this down into several chunks, but, you know, after spending two, two and a half hours with you, somebody should be in a position where they can decide whether they want more of this and, you know, in a, in a more professional frame um, and paying for it or not. And if not, that's completely fine. Um, what Rich Litvin often says is, let's call it a no for now. Right. If it's not a yes and you're still thinking about it, that's great. Uh, but let's call it a no for now, and then we can always reconnect. You know, because then it's then it's off the plate, and we're not sitting in uncertainty. Um, and it often invites people to say, actually, actually, I did find someone else. And that just happened to me. You know, just yesterday, I got an email uh, where somebody says, "Oh yeah, let me let me check in." Uh, you know, um, I need a little bit more time. And I said, "That's absolutely fine." What I would ask you is to put something in the calendar where we reconnect if you're still serious about uh, working together, right? Um, and uh, if not, that's totally fine, but let's call it a no for now and then we can always reconnect. And that person then actually said, oh, I actually have found another one-to-one -one supervisor and I'm very happy with them. They just didn't want to tell me because of, you know, can feel a bit uncomfortable. I'd much rather prefer this outcome. And it was initiated by saying, you know, let's put something in calendar. And so that became a really important part of my process. Yeah, I love that. Um... Yeah, I got a lot more to share on this, but Nikki, do you want to share some of your experience on this? 
Um, actually, I've just been really enjoying listening. I'm thinking because at the moment, the way I'm working, my getting um, clients is quite organic. I'm not having to do much kind of contracting. So actually, I'm really enjoying this for inspiration, but there's nothing I feel based on what I've heard that I feel I can contribute right now. But really happy to keep listening to anything you have to say, Sevash or Yannick. <clears throat> Go for it, Sevash. You know, what, and by the way, on every question we, we have in the podcast, I probably have a book on it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so there's, one, there's one book that I highly recommend all coaches to read, and it's called Getting Naked. No, it's not a dirty book. It's <laughs> probably one of the best books on actually on enrollment consultation. It doesn't talk about scripts. Um, and it's actually a really nice story. And one of the things is, and this is kind of in the do's and don'ts, um, this is something that I bring up in the beginning of the session. You don't have to do it this way, but I found it useful as a reminder for myself, but also for the clients. Right? Um, I remind them, you know, like, hey, the way I do consultations, the way I do enrollment conversations is I'm going to pretend as if you're already a paying client. So, and, and I just set up a little bit of a frame around coaching, right? Like, it's a confidential space, blah, 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 all the, all the basic stuff. But I also just tell them, like, look, the way I like to play is I hide nothing and hold nothing back. I would like to invite you to do the same. And one of the things that book talks about, talks about a few principles. And one principle one is uh, one of the fears that holds coaches, consultants often back is the fear of losing the business. And we often hold back because we have this fear of losing the business. And I remember this a lot in my first two years because I was trying to please the client. I'm like kind of like trying to win the deal, win the business. I'm holding back. I'm trying to please them. They come late. I'm like, yeah, it's okay. They, maybe they don't do the, the work in between. I'm like, it's okay. Right? Maybe there's something within the session that I would maybe ch challenge them on. I'm like, I'll do that when they're a client. And that often actually... And often actually results in them not becoming a client, right? And I think it's, one is letting go of this whole idea of someone becoming a client. If you really coach them as if they are already a client, you actually do a much better job at coaching. And it comes back to that, that fear of losing the business. If you let go of the fear, just kind of show up and be you. And, and it actually makes it a lot easier because you just don't need to like have a different hat on or, you know, like pretend to be someone different in, in a consultation and in a coaching session. Mm -hmm. That's for me personally, like, it's again, it's something that I'm practicing to, today, every, every day. It's, it's just sometimes we forget and we fall into impressing someone, especially I think as a coach, when you get a lot of great results, sometimes you can fall into that trap of making it about you. And that's another don't for me. It's not about you. That conversation is not about you. Yeah. It's all... Quickly... Yeah. I quickly throw in an, uh, an anecdote um, about the winning the uh, the fear of losing the business. Um, I came into a consultation once as a client when I was I chose a coach, and I'm like, I think they're going to be my next coach. I want to explore that. I had a some there was some intuition. Uh, long story short, I I on my way to his office, I get this feeling that I'm nervous because I really want them to choose to work with me. And so I've reflected on this and I realized, oh, they had set it up in, in his business up in a particular way that I got nervous about 
him saying yes to working with me rather than the other way around. It was a very powerful experience because I was there to try to win over the relationship, right? I'm like, I'm, I'm going to make this person work with me. And I, I mean, there's some ethical components. I'm not sure if to that degree, it's helpful to set it up in this way. And also it's a little bit manipulative, right? So, but like the experience was very powerful as I was turning up and I'm thinking like, I, I really hope this person decides to work with me. You know, I, I was, I was already in it. Like I, I had already said yes in, in that moment. Uh, and it was a very powerful experience. So yeah, I, I have some questions around that, but like, the the fear of losing the business it's uh it's a powerful thing yeah yeah and i and i think you know the more the more we kind of let go of trying to impress the other person right if we come back to being in, if we are in a coaching relationship it's about the client right and it kind of connects to the second fear second fear is about um the fear of I don't exactly remember how he words it, but it's basically fear of looking bad, right? Sometimes we, we don't, again, we hold back, we don't say things because we want to look good. Um, yeah, I, I think it's these things. And another really important don't is, and, and again, like all these things, by the way, they're not some th things that, for me, a lot of these things come from experience and noticing like, you know, <laughs> I see it a little bit like this. When you have a consultation with someone, it's almost like, they're walking over a bridge and then they become a paying client. It's kind of like they're on the other side, right? And I used to have this where someone has a, a exactly like it's this in, in the description. I think it's uh, Stefano that said this. You have a great session with someone and then they just ghost you. They don't show up or they don't email you back. They don't message you back. And for me, it's like that image, like they're walking over the bridge and there's a hole there. They've fallen through the hole. Uh -huh. right? And over the years, what I've noticed is there's quite a lot of holes that are just there. And our job is to kind of like, you know, to block those holes. And one of the ways we do that is by booking the next call. And you mentioned that. I think it's a brilliant thing to always do. And, and I always personally say to them, hey, this, the next call is not a call where I'm going to try to convince you or persuade you to work with me. Mm -hmm. I would like you to come to the call because I care about the relationship. Right? I think this is another thing is like naturally, if you start focusing more on the relationship, people feel that mm -hmm. most of the time it's, it's like, okay, well, email me if you're, if you want to work with me or message me. And then sometimes you don't hear from the client and then you're like, should I message them? And it's just, it creates this awkward relationship. Right? So that's definitely a do is have that next call. In fact, like sometimes I just, if, if it's someone that I really want to build a relationship with, I'll just put another hour and say, Hey, let's coach again for 30 minutes. And if it's a no, that's, that's totally fine. I would still like you to show up. Yeah. And what that does, it really leaves people with a good feeling. And Steve Chandler used to talk a lot about this, is that when people leave in a good feeling, they're more often to refer someone to you. They're more likely to come back. I've had people that come back after six months of having a few free coaching sessions. But on the other side, what happens is they ghost you. They're uncomfortable to say like, no, I don't want this. And you're like sometimes like, sending awkward messages and it's like just checking in with you you know do you still want to work with me and it just feels like you become really like the, the energy shifts yeah right? uh, quick quickly on that uh what i had good like sometimes occasionally it happens right some you in that place and uh, whatever led you there uh, i found it helpful to check in and just being quite genuinely hey 
I just want to make sure that you're well supported, right? I'm quite unattached whether they work with me or with any other coach. I want them to have a really good coach-client fit, right? So I actually really welcome it if they found somebody else to support them. What I want to know is, are you, are you well supported? Are you getting what you need right now? And so when I check in from that position and it seems genuine, uh, I, I often get a response. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's the key thing, right? Like it's, it's people like, is that feeling, the feeling you come, place you come from, right? You're already kind of like, I don't know what you want to call it, like secure, you're confident. Yeah, you, give them a way out. You don't need the client. And I think sometimes what happens is you feel like, oh, I need this client. Well, there, there are so many people that you can, you don't need this client. Maybe you need money. There's plenty of clients that can pay you. Yeah. I think that that energy is so important. It's like once we learn kind of the skills and the do's and don'ts in terms of like what to say or what to do, setting up the next call, I think a big part of that is also your energy. It's mm-hmm. actually just being grounded and knowing that, well, you know what? There are plenty of people that can pay me. I don't need this specific person. And I think it's, it's quite, you know, again, it's not something you have to do, but I like to be playful and sometimes just look someone in the eye and say, hey, we should work together. I'm not attached to you to working together, but here's what I see. Here's what we can create together. Yeah. And, and yeah. again, like, it's, you know, it's like saying to someone, hey, you know what? You know what? We should date more often or we should move in together. But I think it's just that, like, it's, you sometimes have that feeling. And being okay with someone saying, well, hey, I don't feel like that at the moment. Or, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and if that, if that feeling is quite a, quite genuine, right? I mean, it's all from this place of authenticity. If I authentically feel quite excited about where this person is going to be heading, you know, if I, if I feel really uh, passionate about what they're trying to do in the world, I can say something like that. I'm like, hey man, I got to say, I'm, I'm really excited about where you're heading. I, I really, I, I share the sense of meaning and purpose and mission, and I can really feel it from you too. I'm quite excited about doing this. Um, like, shall we, <laughs> you know, and that felt awkward in, you know, 10 years ago and it doesn't feel awkward anymore because it used to feel pushy. I'm like, Hey, you know, I really want to do this. Do you want to do this too? <laughs> um, but like, if I really feel like that, I might put that out in the space, you know, because that's just me. Um, and I need to be a bit careful that I'm not more excited about this than my client, <laughs> but you know, that's something I, that allowed me to, to just say, Hey, so you know, should we do this? Do you want to work together? Because this is cool. Like, I really want you to do this. <laughs> this is great. Yeah, look, I, I think if you become really good at the coaching part, you can kind of screw up on that last part. Like, uh, you might even forget your numbers. You might just mix up numbers. You know, that, that first part is so important. That I think it's like 90% of your job is done in the coaching session, coaching part. Mm-hmm. You, you can sometimes, you know, like say the, the wrong thing to the right person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know what? Let's continue. Yeah. And that numbers part really important, right? A uh, big do is learn to say what you have to offer without it feeling weird. <laughs> you know, if you feel awkward in a consultation, chances are your client is going to feel awkward. If you feel awkward talking about money, chances are your client is going to feel awkward. So uh, this, these are things we can train, right? The first time I said, 2000 pounds, it felt awkward, but you know, the 15th time it felt considerably less awkward. And after 30 times it felt kind of natural, you know? So <laughs> I wish I would have had the, 
would have gotten over myself and just practice some stuff in front of a mirror or with some coaching colleagues and just kind of talk through my packages rather than, you know, the best I could muster was like in my head under the shower, you know, but like <laughs> saying it out loud with people present, it doesn't take, it takes a lot less repetitions than you might think for something to come out of your mouth naturally that felt awkward, you know, 30 repetitions ago. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's, that's a really good point because sometimes, you know, coaches think, oh, I, ha I can only practice with an actual person inside a session when I'm actually talking about my offers. But, you know, I often give a challenge to clients and say, go talk to 20 people, tell them how much you charge. And I'm like, what do you mean? I mean, just talk to 20 people. It can be your wife, your, your children, your uncle, the person in the, sh in the supermarket. Just Even the lamppost outside. <laughs> yeah. Like the more you practice it, it just becomes like your phone number. Yeah. And it just loses that charge. I think that's an important thing. And another don't is don't email people your prices. Just like get comfortable oh, talking yeah. about it. It is going to be uncomfortable. You can sometimes even just put it out there. Hey, it's a little bit uncomfortable for me. This part is always uncomfortable, but you know, here's how much I charge. You know, and, and again, that's that practice. Because what happens again, when you put it in an email, and it might work sometimes once, one in a hundred times, right? But what happens is you don't give an opportunity to, for the other person to actually share what they're thinking. Mm -hmm. So one of, one of the do's that what I found useful is to leave at least 30 minutes after you mention the numbers. So I know what you mentioned earlier, and again, that there's not one way of doing it. So when usually someone says to me like, okay, thank you for, it's been a great session. I'll come back to you. Let me think about it. I need to look at my finances. I need to speak to my partner. I think all those things are really valid. And I always tell them, hey, you don't need to pay me right now. I'm not going to ask you for your credit card, right? But we have 30 minutes. Let's slow down. And I, and I asked them, like, okay, tell me, what would you like to think about? Let's, this is some great right. What would you, yeah. what might your partner say? What might you say yeah, to your exactly. partner? Exactly, because sometimes it's just a way for them to, like, oh, I need to get out of here. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> Right? And I think the more comfortable we get is talking about the money part, the more we can invite them to become comfortable. Yeah. How do you... that, yeah. Sorry, gone. Yeah, just gonna like the last part is like that is a big part. I remember like doing a sales training for coaches and I had this PowerPoint presentation, just said there was a big elephant. It's like, okay, we need to address the elephant in the room. If you just get comfortable talking about the elephant, right? It just shifts the energy. And the thing is, we don't need to put our sales hat on, like, okay, now I'm going to the sales part, right? No, you just stay a coach, just get curious because people get uncomfortable here. Yeah, and noticing, you know, that's a shift in your energy. What's yeah. come up? Yeah, yeah, you know what, like that's a lot of money or I don't know what my partner's gonna say. Like, I'm, I'm in, I'm gonna do this, but I don't know how I'm going to convince my partner or how I'm going to get them on board. Well, let's role play yeah, or let's, would you like to talk about that? Yeah. It's that, that space for them. And that's kind of where my question is going as well, right? Underlining that if something's comfortable for you, it's going to be a lot more comfortable for them, right? If you say like, hey, so shall we talk about that elephant then? Um, you know, that's somebody feels immediately more safe because it's been acknowledged and it's not awkward for that person. So maybe it's still a bit awkward for me, but like they're just very open. It becomes something quite natural. That's just something we need to talk about, right? Because if we don't, that's stupid. <laughs> so let's do it, uh, shall we? 
you know, and if you bring it across like that, you know, then often the client will respond in a similar way, right? Adult to adult. Um, but that question I wanted to ask uh, was around, you know, there's a lot in kind of sales theory around anticipating obstacles. Um, you mentioned the conversation with the spouse, you know, shall we role play or looking at finances? What might be in the way? What's in the way of you saying yes to this is the kind of question that I'm curious about. Um, but like, when I when I do that too much, I feel a bit like oh I'm I'm using a sales process here, which is a bit weird. It can get a bit strategic, you know what I mean. So how do you feel about um, like anticipating obstacles and creating a space for that, and then uh, you know putting the coaching hat back on and try to remove some of them? Yeah, well I, I think it's one we can keep the coaching hat on throughout. You don't really need a sales hat, and look, I think. I've done lots of, I've read lots of books and done lots of trainings on handling objections. And I think you don't really need it. By the way, reading sales books actually can be useful. The good ones just teach you more about the psychology of human behavior, sales, like why people buy, why people don't buy. And I think when you understand that, it allows you actually to be a better coach because you know that, hey, you know what? What is happening right here is this just resistance. Imagine like someone is in a coaching session. They're like, yeah, this is my big dream. I'm willing to like burn everything down to just achieve this. And then they come into a, at the end of the call, it's like, oh no, you know what? I, I, I don't know like if I can do this. And it's clearly there's, there's a disconnect there, mm -hmm. right? And so I think it's just really useful to just really create that safe space, right? And, and by the way, sometimes it looks like, and, and I'm not gonna be unmindful, right? These are not like go and do this. This is not like a sales technique. But as I got more comfortable, someone says, like, I need to look at my finances. It's like, okay, well, look, this is a safe space. Everything is confidential. What about we look at it together? Because sometimes like, I just get comfortable. I'm like, okay, it's, it's a whatever, 5,000 investment, 10,000 investment, right? Is this, and, and by the way, before I do go into any of these things, I just want to check in. Is this something you really want to do? Because sometimes, the, I need to talk to my partner, find, look at finances. It's just a way of just saying, hey. I don't really want to do this. <laughs> yeah, it's just a polite way of saying like, I'm out of this, right? So I want to always just check in like, hey, apart from that, right? We can look at that. Is this something you really want to do? And I just can creating space for it. Yeah, actually, yes, I'm committed. If they say like, I'm not sure, like, okay, let's, what about we just slow things down? Like maybe we'll just, maybe you need to think about this. Because again, like if someone's not sure, I don't want to go and persuade them, convince them like, but you know, this would be really good for you. Right? Yeah, persuasion rarely works, and, right? And a, a simple scaling question can really put some light into this, right? How how much do you want to do this? Whereas yeah. 10 is nobody could stop me. And one would be, it's just, there's no way, that's just not going to happen. And uh, my experience in that of many colleagues is if it's under a seven, it's not going to happen. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think there's, there's a quote, right? Like someone, like if someone does something against their will, like they're, they're still kind of of that same opinion, right? Sometimes you can get someone, you push someone and then they're going to regret it. Yeah, they might say, yes, you can convince them, you can influence them, you can manipulate people into saying yes, but then you're stuck in a coaching conversation, in a coaching relationship with them. That's awkward. <laughs> so I, I think any form of manipulation or overt influence is probably going to shoot you in the foot. Yeah, exactly. And I think, look, just coming back to that, and I'm mindful of time, I think um, 
Oh yes. If we if we look at that part, right? I think it's is as a coach just getting comfortable asking those uncomfortable questions. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, okay, is this something you really want? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about this. If you really want, how do you think your partner will respond? Like, you know, look, I'm not. My job is not to convince you, but I want to just see if I can support you in this part. You know, when when you when you think about your finances, are you already aware of what your finances look like? Some people will say, yeah. Like, okay, great. I'm curious, like, how much are you earning? How much savings do you have? Is this something that, would you like me to help you with this part? And, and some people are very open. They're like, yeah, you know what? Okay, actually, let's put it out there. Let, let me grab my, let me open my account. Well, I got this much. This is what I can do. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just actually when you come from that place when you're like genuinely like okay i want to help this person my 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 interest and I, and i think that's really sales is service right if you come from that place people will thank you i've had people that really kind of get almost freeze up in that part and then just walk them slowly through it and i check in with them a few times okay and by the way even sometimes what happens like oh this often happens right like after 20 minutes of doing this, they're like, okay, I'm in. Like, hey, I still want you to take a bit of time to think about this or do talk to your partner. Sometimes they're like, okay, you know what? I'm in. I don't even need to talk to my partner. I'm like, no, this is a big commitment. Get them on board. Yeah. Encourage them to have more conversations. I sometimes encourage my clients to talk to a couple of other coaches. It's important that you find someone where it feels really right. It feels like a good fit. You know, so um, I usually say, don't go with the first coach that you talk to. Have a few conversations and then go with the one that feels best, you know, and people really appreciate that kind of confidence uh, and that kind of commitment to best value for the client. Yeah, I I personally don't do that, but I don't think it's wrong. But again, like I think, um, I think it's it's important to give them some space. Hmm. You know, I think what, what often happens is like, when someone says no, we usually kind of jump on it, like try to persuade them. And when someone says yes, we're like straight away, like, all right, inside we're like, yay, I got this client. But I think it's just actually, if you do the opposite, it's when you slow down the yes, like, okay, if you're in, then great. It's like, you know, if someone's like, hey, it's a big move, you're moving in together, or we're getting married, it's like, just take a bit of time. I want you to be really 100% on this. <laughs> yeah. And if, if it's a yes, they're not gonna all of a sudden you know, change their mind. I still think about the getting naked book <laughs> in this context. It's pretty funny. <laughs> anyway, we got to wrap things up. Uh, Nikki, last words are yours. Um, that was a wicked conversation. Thank you. I got a lot out of that. I know I've been quite quiet, but that's because I've been really kind of intensely listening and just, yeah, enjoying. One little thing that came up for me, and I hope that's that can be my one contribution um, in the session was, it felt relevant to this, like one quote that I often remember that just clearly was very powerful for me when I read it. It's like, people don't very often necessarily remember what you said, but will always remember how you made them feel. Yeah. And for me, thinking about that in this context, it's just like, and listening to everything you've said, like the things that really jumped out that I liked. And I think the Getting Naked book is something I really want to read. Thank you for that, Sivash. But was this idea of like, at the end of the day, for me, what counts is kind of, the sincerity of intention. And I think that's what you guys both came back to a lot also. So I think, you know, in these conversation, knowing that we're going in 
kind of having to make a sales pitch, but not not letting that kind of get in the way of the sincerity of the intention of why we're there to begin with, to hopefully help and support people in their lives and making changes and being there for them and thinking and hoping that we're the right person to help them do that as best possible. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys. Shall we leave it here? Nice. Yeah, I'd love to see from people like what their takeaways are and what, what are some things that you do or you don't based on your experience. Yeah, maybe we can get an extensive do's and don'ts list together. Um, get on it. Get on it. <laughs> cool. See you next time. Thank you for being with us today. I appreciate your commitment to learning and growing as a coach. Just a few things before you go. First of all, we're doing this for you, so if there's anything you'd like us to talk about, do send us a question. Secondly, we're not doing this for profit, so we rely on your support to help us reach as many coaches as we can. So if you can send this episode to a friend or tell a fellow coach uh, about what we're doing here, maybe you can subscribe or leave us a review, or even support us on Patreon. Um, that would be amazing. And lastly... You can find us across all major platforms, so uh, whether you like to watch or you like to listen or you like to download episodes and listen to it uh, in your car while you're driving through somewhere with no internet, uh, you can do so too. Um, and that's it from us. Thank you and I hope to see you next time.